Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon to you and yours. My goodness, the most anticipated home series of LSU's baseball season gets underway tonight. The LSU women are at the Final Four. They had a practice. Um, we, we've got so much to talk about today. I uh, can't wait to get with you. So thank you so much for dialing us up. We're here for the next two hours each and every day from 2 to 4, Monday through Friday here, um, and, and we're thrilled to have you. My main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite at the EFCO Development Studios. EFCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLW. Which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And you happen, if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Oh, it's 7 o'clock tonight. Number one, LSU takes on 10th-ranked Tennessee. A pitching duel for the ages comes up tonight. As um, this team, these two teams get together, you may have three of the top five picks in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft, it'll be Chase Dollander for the Tennessee Volunteers against Paul Skeens for LSU. Let's get ready. It'll be over 14,000 fans inside the box. It's going to be rocking, and you can listen to the game right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with first pitch coming up at 7 p.m. Mark Etheridge is a D1 base. Baseball scout, he will join us uh, momentarily, uh, and we'll get his thoughts and preview this matchup. Of um, look, Tennessee comes to town. They're a really good baseball program. There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. They've got talent across the board. LSU hasn't beaten Tennessee in their last six matchups, but everybody loves to hate the villain, and that's what Tennessee is. They've embraced that that brash villain-like persona, and they have are reveling in it, reveling in it. So this makes for must-watch baseball. Can't wait for it. And with that in mind, Aaron Judge hit his first home run of the year um, as the New York Yankees got underway today in Major League Baseball. How about that? I'll rise for the judge because um, he's doing his thing. Atlanta leads Washington 4-2 to two with no outs in the bottom of the sixth. The, Yan- the Yankees lead the Giants 3-zip bottom of the seventh. Baltimore and Boston are tied up 1-1 in the fourth. No score between the Cubbies and Milwaukee. 
uh, with no outs in the third. The marathon of Major League Baseball is underway. And with that in mind, eight former LSU players appear on Major League Baseball active rosters as the MLB season's open today. Alex Bregman with the Astros. Infielder DJ LeMayhew with the Yankees. Pictures, Aaron Nola with the Phillies. Kevin Gossman with Toronto. Alex Lang with Detroit. Catcher, Austin Nola of the Padres. Outfielder, Jake Fraley with the Reds. And infielder, Josh Smith with the Rangers. So uh, well, well represented there. Women are at the Final Four. They had their basketball practice uh today from noon till just before one o'clock kim mulkey adorned a cowboy hat was singing some songs she is in her element and making it happen raymond parse the third heading toward dallas we'll get a report from him coming up around 2 30 as he does his shows um tomorrow his show tomorrow from the final four um coming up three o'clock hour koki Riley will join us. Um, LSU had another spring football practice, and Brian Kelly really expanded on linebacker Harold Perkins's new assignment in 2023. He's not uh, an edge rusher. He wants to learn to play inside linebacker. He wants to be like Patrick Queen and Devin White and Damone Clark. Um, he wants to get out there in coverage and and help stuff runs on the interior but it's a fine line because he's so good coming off the edge that you got to develop that hybrid role for him and get him on the field he's too good of an athlete to not play even though last year he wasn't ready to perform the duties of an inside linebacker but he's going to do it now Another golden opportunity for the New Orleans Pelicans. They are underdogs tonight, and rightly so, as they take on the number one seeded Denver Nuggets, who are 51 and 24. The Nuggets with a three and a half game lead over second place Memphis. The Pelicans got a little break last night as the Timberwolves got beat. Uh, and right now, the, the Pels drop to number nine. They are tied with the Lakers at 38 and 38, a half a game behind the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, who are in seventh place. They're a half a game ahead of the Oklahoma City, who are in 10th place, and a game and a half ahead of the Dallas Mavericks, who continue to lose with Luka and Kyrie Irving. So tonight against the Denver Nuggets, we'll see who plays for Denver, who doesn't. Um, playing in that altitude, this is this is going to be a tough, tough, tough one. But you never, ever know. We will talk with Shamit Dua um, at around 3.15 this afternoon to get his thoughts on that ball game. And then Frank Schwab will join us on a Thursday. As he always does, we'll talk the latest um, in the NFL draft. We'll talk the latest about Lamar Jackson. We'll talk the latest about um, Aaron Rodgers. A couple of news blotter reports. An LSU student was arrested for stealing what is estimated to be around $1,500 worth of beer from Tiger Stadium this past weekend. According to reports, a 19-year-old student and a, quote, group of college-age males were allegedly seen carrying the beer out of Tiger Stadium and putting it in their pickup truck 
at 3 a.m. early this past Sunday morning. Upon being approached by police, all members of the party immediately fled before surveillance video tracked down the truck they had arrived in. This LSU student later admitted to stealing the beer and was arrested on one count of attempted burglary. Holy cow. And then we have to go to Aggieland. Texas A&M hosted Texas on the baseball diamond Tuesday evening, but the game was briefly interrupted in the top of the fifth inning after a man wearing a Darth Maul mask, no shirt, and Trump 2024 painted on his chest, climbed down onto Olsen Field at Bluebell Park and ran through the infield carrying a sign that read Longhorn Suck before briefly exposing his derriere. So he dropped trowel and ran around streaking his back. He made his way back to the outfield wall to took two attempts to clear the fence and then was later arrested on misdemeanor charges of criminal trespass and disorderly conduct slash exposure. I wonder how the parents... Um, uh, this man happens to be Texas A&M freshman cross-country track and field athlete, Spencer Werner. <laughs> oh, my God. Another 19-year-old. He was just named the SEC's freshman runner of the week on September 20th. He can run, but he obviously cannot jump. I wonder what parents of both the LSU student and this Texas A&M student are thinking, how did we send our son to school to do this? We sent him to get an education and to compete, and here's what they're doing. Um, okay, there you go. So um, the men's final four getting ready to get underway in Houston. Tomorrow will be their big day with open practices and, um, uh, you know, huge, huge crowds for that. So it's a great, great time to uh, uh, of sports. It really is. So let's go over our guest list today again. Coming up, Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, LSU versus Tennessee. Raymond Parsh III, women's final four. Hour number two, Cokie Riley, LSU Spring Football Report, Shemet Dua, Pels versus the Nuggets, Frank Schwab, everything from Yahoo Sports on the NFL. So let's take our first time out and get this Thursday, March 30th edition underway. We'll talk the biggest series in college baseball to date. Number one, LSU, number 10, Tennessee. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, it's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astro. Tickets. So enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Welcome back. About 17 minutes after the hour, and we begin with the biggest storyline in the Deep South, and that's the highly anticipated three-game series between the number one ranked LSU Tigers and the number 10th ranked 
Tennessee Volunteers. It gets underway tonight at 7 p.m. Maybe 100 or more professional baseball, Major League Baseball scouts will be on hand. There's talent galore, nationally televised. And and, and Mark Etheridge is coming in town representing D1 Baseball. He's making the ride in. Mark, uh, kind enough to join us. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for your time. How are you? I'm doing great. Can't wait for some baseball. And, you know, it's one versus ten now, but a couple of weeks ago it was one versus two, and it would have really been something then. But, I, you know, this is one of those series that before the – when the schedule comes out, right, everybody gets excited about it. They see when it's going to be. You check your calendar and you just get ready, and now it's here. What is the what is the national viewpoint of Tennessee? Because they're one of those teams when you're not when you're not following them, it seems like everybody hates them. Their fans love them. Everybody, they're kind of like the villain of college baseball. It's it appears. Well, certainly last year they were. I mean, they were very polarizing. One because they were very successful. But two, they you know they had some antics in the dugout and, and on the field, and, and they were they, they definitely chirped at the opposing team, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So there was a lot of glee when they lost in the Supers last year. Well, m- many of the players off that team, especially the position group, are gone. So it's a it's a whole new group that's trying to figure out their identity. They still have those high expectations because they're very talented, and they return the entire pitching staff basically, certainly to all of the rotation. So. It's not the same team. It doesn't quite have the same, you know, uh, culture or character or whatever you want to call it that that surrounds it that they did a year ago. It's still a a really quality club that's going to be a handful for LSU this weekend. When I say um, opening pictures, Chase Dollander for Tennessee, Paul Skeens, LSU. (laughs) I mean, enough said, right? Good as it gets. As good as it gets. I mean, these are two of the guys who could go, you know, first. They could be the first pitcher taken in, in the draft this summer. And, and here they are squaring off on the mound against each other. You know, we just don't get these kind of matchups that often. I mean, it's, it's been years, honestly. And, and they're, they're both, you know, you know nine, high 90s, 100-mile-an-hour pitches. They have off speed. They can – I mean, they're very similar. I think the, the difference is – Skeens has been more consistent. And while, you know, Dolander's best is as good as Skeens, Skeens is just at his best more often. And, and that has been the difference. And that's what I'm eager to see tonight because this is certainly Arkansas can hit. And that was a really good lineup. But Tennessee can hit as well. So yep. for Skeens, can he, can he do this back-to-back weeks against two of the best offenses in the country? And that, that's been the remarkable thing about him, guys. I mean, he's – you know, a lot of people will have this great, you know, great one-time outing or great twice, but he's doing this every week. He's getting double-digit strikeouts. He's holding people with two or three hits a game. He's not really walking anybody. He's pitching out of trouble. I mean, he's he's really been remarkable. You don't see this type of sustained excellence, and that's what we've seen to this point. Everyone has a bad game. It's baseball, right? And no one's perfect. Right. So it's going to come at some point this season. I, I really hope it's not tonight. I hope these guys deal and we have something that we remember for a long time. So we know about Skeens and Dolander. You've seen a lot of really good baseball players. Uh, the pace yeah. that Dylan Cruz is on with a 23-game <laughs> hitting streak, he just seems to hit the ball 
all the time. He may go down. If he continues this, which is asking an awful lot, but if he continues this, he'll be the greatest LSU baseball player ever, and they've had some really good ones. What do you see in Dylan Cruz? Yeah, it's amazing. And it, it, he's at a point now where if he goes two for four, his average drops. Yeah. Okay. Talking it's about terrible. being able to, to sustain something, I mean, that that's ridiculous. I mean, no one does that. And the, the thing with him, though, is you just can't pitch to him. I mean, you try to pitch him away, and he goes goes the other way. And in today's world, that's not always the case, right? Everybody's full happy and wants to hit the ball out of the park. And he can certainly do that, but but he's more than that. He's, he's a hitter who can also hit home runs. And that's the maturation of a you know an older player, right, as a – he, we all saw the tools his first year as a great player. Last year, he was one of the best players in the country, but he wasn't this, right? This is something that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe ever, right? Because, I mean, you go back to, what is it, 83 when Dave Magadan hit 525 or something crazy right. like that. Well, the pitchers are a lot different now. Scouting reports are a lot different now. It, it is, you know, no offense to people, you know, who played in 83, and I was around to watch that, but – it, it's just a different game. And so, yeah. so what Cruz is doing is, is amazing. And it's, again, it's everyone's going to have bad games. And if you go, you have an 0 for 4 and you're batting 540 something or whatever, that average is really going to drop. So that's, that's going to be the challenging part, you know, because he's going to see some good pitchers and he's the focal point of every game plan at this point. Yeah. No question. Uh, Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball, kind enough to uh, join us. I think the thing that has impressed me the most about LSU and what they've really corrected, defensively, they are so much better than they were a year ago. They're not bobbling the ball all over the place, throwing it away. They've become a really good defensive ball club. Yeah, you can tell that that was a a point of emphasis in the offseason. Because, you know, the pitching wasn't, wasn't great. That basically the starting pitching was a problem last year, and the defense yep. was a problem. Yep. And and they certainly shored both of those up. And the offense is much better. You add the the great freshman class that came in, arguably the best freshman class in the country, and then the impact transfers that have joined. I mean, it's it's really a um, just a, an influx of talent. And Jay Johnson, I mean, that's really the hard part for him right now and, and that coaching staff is to try to find enough at-bats for everybody right. to keep you sharp, to keep you engaged, to keep you cheering for the guy who's playing ahead of you. Yeah. That, that to me, is, is going to tell how far LSU goes is, is just how well can they, can they all pull in the right direction because you know how it is. You get a lot of very talented guys, uh, and they all want to play, and they all think that they deserve to play. It's tough when you don't. So that's that's one of the the more intriguing storylines of this season for LSU because no one doubts the talent. It's just, but yeah. I mean, baseball, as you guys know, best team doesn't always win it. I mean, Tennessee was the right. best team last year; they didn't even make the College World Series. So, it, so so that's what I'm you know really focused on as for these next couple months. I got you, uh, Mark Etheridge, D1 Baseball. You've been to the, uh, the to LSU in the box before. Yeah, I was there opening day this year. Saw Skeen's, I guess, his coming out party. Uh, yeah, okay. I've been many times over the years. I've been covering this sport 30 years. So it's, I got you. It's, yeah, so, but this, this is one of the bigger matchups that I can recall. What I was going to tell you is this is going to be the same type of environment that mm-hmm. a regional possesses or a super regional possesses. It's going to be, yeah. there's going to be over 14,000 people there. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, uh, 
when Garth starts up, the place is going to go nuts. And then, <laughs> I, I think that I think that that's the thing you, that, that people forget about college baseball is just how you know when you get these big events like this, how interactive the fans get and the atmosphere. And I mean, it's an event. I mean, it's it, it's really a, something that, that people ought to embrace and, and and enjoy because you know you don't get this everywhere. So when you do. Um, we, I, I'm so glad these games are, you know, on linear television. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the SEC network, Network's got one. I think ESPNU's got one. I mean, th- this is – I know it's Major League Opening Day, but this is a this is a great night to watch some college baseball. I know uh, school takes a lot of precedent, but I love the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I like a Thursday night. I think, I think it just adds – for these big series, I think it just adds to the excitement. You get to it quicker. Uh, I just mm-hmm. – I love it. Yeah, there, there's there's pros and cons. I mean, you certainly get the audience to yourself. I mean, there's very little competition for for viewership, which is why they do it. Uh, the downside is it, it does it can mess with your pitching, especially if you get some rain in there, and maybe yeah. you get rained out on Friday, and you have to come back and you know play a doubleheader Saturday, and then your next series is on Thursday. That that can really mess up you know some some rotations. But yeah. but as a whole, I as a and, right, I enjoy it. I don't have to worry about pitching <laughs> rotations. Right, right. I, I like to watch the game. So, um, so I agree. I, I like having the, the ability. I mean, in Mississippi State and South Carolina play tonight, and there's a lot going on in Starkville. There's some interesting storylines there. So, so lots of lots of good stuff tonight from a college baseball point of view. I mean, is the SEC as good as it appears to be? I think so, and that's what makes it so strange. What we've had this week are uh, these first two weeks with all the sweeps because the league has never been deeper. There's less difference between, you know, say the fourth best team, whoever that might be. And, and number 10 or 11, I mean, it's, Uh it's week to week. It's going to change. And, and, but we've seen the same team, you know, win three, three days in a row. So often this to start with, and and everyone you talk to, no one has an answer. It's just kind of one of those odd things that happens in a sport that's, it's kind of prone to them. Yep. Uh, for instance, Tennessee got swept in their opening series. Um, Unreal. Owen, I never yeah, would have thought Missouri. that. Then they, it was then they come back and yeah. sweep Texas A&M, and so it's crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the Tennessee that, that we saw last week at, you know, against A&M is, is the one that you're going to see the majority of the season. That opening weekend at Missouri, it was really cold. I don't think they really yeah. took Missouri seriously. Missouri punched them in the mouth, and you know that you know, Tennessee hasn't really been faced with a lot of that, right? You know that last year they swept their first three SEC series. They, they were had a lot of series that just weren't competitive, and this is a different year. It's a different cast of characters, and 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 the other part of this is they're going to get everybody's best shot based on last year. Hey, if we beat Tennessee, we you know everybody's excited. So. It, and, and, you know, LSU fans know about that, too, you know, getting everybody's best shot. So so that's going to be an interesting thing because this weekend, Tennessee's the underdog, right? Everybody's right. picking LSU. I'm picking LSU. I guess you guys are, too. I mean, they're the mm. favorite, especially at home. And, right. and so Tennessee's the underdog, and that's uh, that's definitely a new uh, position for that, that program the last few years to, to find themselves in. So I guess I, I'm guess we're both in agreement. Uh, Tennessee leads the SEC with a 2.62 team ERA. So I think across the board, whereas maybe uh, Skeens has the better game than anybody else at this point in time, but Tennessee's entirety of a pitching staff yeah. is really good. 
but LSU's bats are really, really good as well. So bats over gloves, is that what we're saying? Yeah, I think I think the difference in the LSU lineup compared to the Tennessee lineup, the advantage there is greater, plus you got home field, but it's yeah. greater than the difference between Tennessee's great rotation. That, last year, this was the best rotation in baseball, and all three of those guys returned. They're all probable right. first-round picks. Uh, they landed this year and Burns and Dean next year. Uh, they're really good guys. Um, and so, so that's the thing. And not, not that LSU doesn't have a great rotation. They're talented. They just haven't performed. They haven't done it, right, where, right. where these guys have a proven track record. Mark, I can't uh, thank you enough. Uh, safe trip in. Enjoy. It, yep. It's going to be it's going to be raucous. Go out there and tailgate it with some of the LSU fans and have some good food and enjoy every minute. I'm fired up, guys. Let's play ball. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Mark Etheridge, D1 right. Baseball, LSU versus Tennessee, tonight starting at 7, Friday at 6, Saturday at 1. Woo! Dollander versus Skeens. It doesn't get any better. doesn't get any better. There'll be 14,000 screaming Tiger fans in that building, in that arena, that stadium, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be absolutely crazy we appreciate mark etheridge coming up um tomorrow <laughs> dallas texas there'll be a lot of tiger fans there what's kim mulkey gonna be wearing when she comes out of the locker room raymond parsha third will be there he's on his way as we speak we'll catch up with rp3 next this is the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros we're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches in your belly area along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, so many games to play, you can't win until you actually start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. Everything under the sun inside their buildings. But with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, it's the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. He's on the road again. He just can't wait to get on that road again. Heck, if Kim Mulkey can sing at a Final Four press conference, I can sing to introduce my boy, Raymond Parst III, who's on his way to Dallas. He'll be doing RP3 and Company tomorrow morning, live and in living color. And he's uh, kind enough to join us today. What's happening, RP3? I, uh, I have, I'm definitely logging the miles, my friend. <laughs> my friend, I yeah, Pensacola earlier this month for the Sun Belt Tournament, and now I'm heading to Dallas for the Final Four. So uh, not a too bad of a life uh, you and I have, brother, going to games and talking about them. Not a bad deal, and thanks to Bailey's Cigar Room for um, uh, presenting this opportunity. So we thank them. 
uh, I'd love a cigar on the side, Mr. Bailey. So uh, let's talk one day. All right. So your biggest thought, you've seen Virginia Tech play. You've seen LSU play. Uh, what's your what's your big takeaway heading into this national semifinal? Well, yeah, look, this is I know Vegas odds makers have it, Jordy. I think uh, last time I checked, LSU is a two point, maybe two and a half point favorite. I think it's mm-hmm. more of a, a coin flip game. I, I really do. Look, this Virginia Tech team, yes, they're making the Final Four for the first time in program history. That's a big deal. They've never been on this stage before, and that's important to note. But this LSU team hasn't been to this point either, right? These girls have not, these young women haven't that's been right. to this point either. Now, Kim, Kim Mulkey has, right? Yeah. So, that you know, I, I think the coaching matchup is going to be key in this ball game. That's why I give the slight advantage to LSU because Kim's been here. She's done that. She understands what it takes. She understands how the week is different, how the pressure is different, how you're going to be playing in a huge arena, how to get her young ladies uh, uh, adapted to that type of environment, that type of atmosphere. Virginia Tech has not been there. So, you know, I think that's a big advantage in this. And look, both teams have been tested. Make no bones about it. And, you know, Elizabeth Kitley, she is very impressive for for the Hokies. You know, she's coming off the win at Ohio State uh, in the Elite Eight, Jordy. She only had a pedestrian 25 points, 12 rebounds. Okay? That's That's her 56th career double-double, which is the most in school history. Okay? So they have a double-double machine as well, the, the, the Hokies do. She is prolific. They go as, as well as she goes. And But, look, they have other players that can make a difference. Junior guard Georgia Amore, she is, can be an impactful player. She had 24 points. She had four of the Hokies' eight three-pointers in the Elite Eight right. matchup to win mm-hmm. over Ohio State. So this is a team that can do it in the post, can do it out on the perimeter, much like LSU can with their combination of Angel Reese and Alexis Morris. This is why I think this is going to be one heck of a ball game. It's going to be a bit of a grudge match. This is going to be a far closer game than the Miami game was at the end. I think we're going to see something more akin to what we saw a week ago on Friday when they took on Utah and it came down to the final seconds. Um, Raymond Parsh with us heading to Dallas for the women's final uh, uh, final four. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I think the key matchup is Alexis Morris versus Georgia Amore. Amore is really, really good. She just dribbled through that Ohio State vaunted full court press. She made it look like Swiss cheese and they backed off of it. Plus she can shoot. The, the reason I give LSU a little bit of a slight edge is LSU has more bigs so they can can, they can go after um, Elizabeth Kitley with not one, not two, but three bigs. And LSU can't possibly, knock on wood, they can't possibly shoot any worse than they did against Miami. It's impossible. Well, and, and Kim Mulkey would probably agree with you on that, that she doesn't think her team can shoot as bad as they did Sunday against Miami. That was, let's be honest, uh, that was a hard game to watch, right? Uh, that was defensive basketball. That was just also some poor offensive basketball by both programs. Look, I agree with you. And remember the matchup against Michigan in the round of 32, Jordy. Michigan had the big bodies. They had the three girls over six foot tall. They had more big. Well, you know what happened in that game? They still couldn't slow down Angel Reese. 
So right. and they and Ladeja Williams has stepped up big, and that's another key for me in this. You're exactly correct. LSU can throw more big bodies at them. Elizabeth Keatley only really, you know, she's the biggest impact player Virginia Tech has. So if you can neutralize her, that's going to give you a distinct advantage. And look, during this tournament run, the other thing that stood out to me about Kim's team is the way they're playing defense. They held Utah, who was third in the country, that was averaging 83.5 points a game. They held them to a season low. They held Michigan to a season low. Like, this is... For whatever reason, the loss to Tennessee in the SEC tournament, it's not that they didn't play good defense before Jordy, but ever since that loss to Tennessee in the SEC tournament, they have been locked in on the defensive side of things. And they suffocate you. They frustrate you. They did it to Hawaii. They did it to Michigan. They did it to Utah. And they did it to Miami and those twins they have. I fully expect them to be the same way come tomorrow night there in Dallas. Defend without fouling. Got to keep your key players on the floor. They got a maximum of 80 minutes, maybe a little bit more, uh, left in their season. They got to stay out of foul trouble, and you got to keep your studs on the court. The one problem I have, and I've had this ever since 1978 or 79, I'll never forget first NCAA tournament game I ever played in, they come out with these new basketballs and they're slipping, they're sliding. It's like, it's ridiculous. And we kept saying, come on, what are y'all doing? Um, And they still haven't learned. They bring these new balls out. So you got to go grab one of the balls. You got to bounce it. You got to tell me what that son of a gun feels like. It looks different. Everybody's complaining about it. Why does the NCAA do this stupidity? Well, I mean, we could have a discussion. You don't have a long enough show to talk about the stupidity of the NCAA and their incompetence. But, <laughs> no, and look, and we saw this in the men's game as well. We had some complaints on the men's side of things as well through the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games as well where they changed the balls. And you could tell it definitely made a difference with Angel in particular. Uh, Alexis, it, she had some struggles early on, but obviously her offensive game really stepped up late against Utah and then, and definitely late in the second half and early against Miami. She seemed to have a better grasp of things the second game around, right, where yeah, they were able yeah. to kind of get a better feel for things. But that being said, I, I don't know. It's it's almost like the, an overcompensation of someone saying, well, hey, these balls feel to be uh, deflated. Okay, well, let's you know do a knee-jerk reaction, which the NCAA loves to do. And yeah. do a knee-jerk reaction, and now, now we have all these balls that have too much air in them. They bounce off the the, the rim the wrong <laughs> way. They they almost like they catapult out of the uh, off the floor. So no, I, I think that's something that you could see some adjustments made here for the Final Four, where Absolutely. because it's such a big talking point nationally, that I could definitely see that going to be something that could be regulated for these Final Four matchups. Of course, the women's games in Dallas and the men down in Houston. They actually gave us some balls. They said, you don't let two – and we took them outside of our hotel and dribbled them in the parking lot to scuff them up a little bit. It was crazy. Now, things and times have changed and all that for the better, thank goodness. But um, I'm really inter- interested to see uh, – got an incredibly huge LSU baseball matchup, but you get to the Final Four once in a blue moon. I'm, I'm curious as to the uh, contingency of LSU fans and what that's going to be like uh, – inside that arena because um you know it's not that's not not that hard to get to it so it should be fun you know i'm, I'm interested to see what the fan base is going to be like as well but I've, I've been hearing some rumblings that 
expect a large turnout for the Tigers. And, and yes, it's a huge series at Alex Box Stadium. It starts tonight against Tennessee. That's a top-ten matchup. And the Volunteers may have the best pitching staff in the SEC and maybe in the country, so that's going to be a, a thrilling thing to see in person. That said, Jordy, you know this. There hasn't been a hotter, a hotter ticket, yeah. a hotter team on that side of the basin all year, more so than the football team, more so than the yeah. baseball team right now. There is a yeah. legitimate buzz where people are coming up to me, and I know they come up to you, where people are coming up to me that don't even really follow sports all that much, Jordy, and they're like, tell me about Kim Mulkey's team. That's where we're at with what she's been able to do in year number two where the just random sports fan, the Fairweather fan, or however you want to describe it, is interested and wants to go spend money to watch them play. That is what she's done. She gets them to have standing room only for regular season games at the T-Mac, Jordy. That's what they do, and people are excited. And if you haven't been paying attention to what tickets are doing on the the aftermarket, (laughs) uh, they're they're going for a pretty penny uh, for this Final Four matchup tomorrow. Well, she's a marketing genius, and the people around her are that way. Because even the 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 most um, could care less about basketball fan, they want to see what she's wearing, and that's that's the big ticket. Who's she got? So, Sparkle City, you're the you're the one, you're the one that outfits her. So, the big question mark is, everybody wants to know, and she keeps you waiting because she's the last one to come out of that locker room with about two two and a half minutes before tip. What's she gonna wear? That's and so it's a marketing genius. It's it's completely brilliant. She knows how to deal with the media. She knows how to deal with the fans, and she has such a dynamic personality. And it's so over the top. And look, she 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 is brilliant in so many things. I've I've talked to her over the years with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, and she is tremendous at what she does. And, and I think, look, no matter what happens, Jordy tomorrow night in Dallas. And, look, all Tiger fans are hoping, and a lot of folks in Louisiana are hoping that they can punch their ticket to the national title game. The first, the last time they did that was before the NCAA even recognized women's athletics. Okay? Right. So <laughs> if you look in the PMAC, you see the old banner. It's from 1976 or 77. That's before there was even an NCAA for the women's That's tournament. Right. So, and, you know, she's, that, she's that, doing that in year number two. And here's the other thing, Jordy, and I'll ask you a question. I know you're interviewing me, but I want to ask you a question. Is there a coach in America on the basketball side that has adapted, a veteran, hard-nosed, old-school coach like Kim is, that has adapted in the era of the transfer portal better than she? Because I don't think you can find me one. Man, um, if there is anyone that's certainly not better than her, maybe equivalent to her, but... It's it's remarkable. She had nine new players, got them all together, to, bought in because she's got those skins on the wall. And but but if you asked her, this is even beyond her wildest expectations. And can can LSU do? Can this LSU team do what no LSU basketball team has ever done? And that's win a game at the Final Four. We've been to the Final Four a bunch of times. Women's team, men's team, never won a game at the Final Four. Can they break through and do that? So, no, to your answer, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I just just told someone the other day to further that point. I go, guys, you realize that she was able to get Angel Reese, who was an All-American, for a program 
That is a perennial Sweet 16 Elite 8 team. By the way, Maryland made it to the Elite 8 this year, the team that she left. And she convinced her to leave there to come play for her at LSU. Like, that's the power of Kim Mulkey. Like, there's not many coaches that can do that on the men's side or the women's side, Jordy. And the fact that they're in a position here in year number two, year number two of a yeah. rebuild yeah. that program, you yeah. couldn't give tickets away for people to go see them in the PMAC three years ago. You couldn't give tickets away. And now they're a box office sensation. They are probably, besides South Carolina, the most buzzed about team at the Final Four in Dallas. Yes, Caitlin Clark is special for Iowa. I'm not taking anything away from her. But if you're talking about just energy, buzz, juice, as they like to say, LSU has it. And that's because of what Kim Mulkey can do on and off the court. And you know what? I like their chances to beat Virginia Tech. You and me both, brother. Raymond, I can't thank you enough. Be safe. I'm going to read this thing and uh, because that's what we do around here. RP3 and company headed to Big D for the women's Final Four. Ray will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas tomorrow morning to get you prepared as the Tigers look to move on to the national championship game. RP3's road trip to Big D presented by Bailey Cigar Room. Enjoy every minute of it, big guy. Be safe. Be careful. And... uh Go bring us some good luck, all right? Will do, brother. I'll make sure to tell Kim you said hi. Ah, you got it. There you go. Thank you very much. Um, to the point, men's and women's, they've played nine games in the national semifinals, throw in two men's losses in the third place, consolation game, which was dropped after the 1981 tournament. <clears throat> Thank you very much. We talked about that. Virginia beat us, went home 0-2. LSU 0-11 all-time. On the sport's biggest, most grandest stage, the Final Four. All streaks have to come to an end. Could it end tomorrow? Kim Mulkey's second team has a chance to change that. Friday at 6 o'clock. Can't wait. Can't wait. Cannot wait. All right. Uh, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back and wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to see those uh, Astros in person? You're in luck because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, along with hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back to wrap up hour number one, 55 minutes after the hour. Busy hour number two coming your way. More on 
the women and the men's basketball team. The men lost in the national semis in 1953, 1981, 1986, and 2006. The women tied an NCAA record by qualifying for five consecutive Final Fours from 2004 to 2008, but they fell short each time. Seven of those nine semifinal defeats have been by double digits. The others were one and two point last second heartbreakers. Oh, oh, so could this be the year? Uh, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, we'll talk much more about this game tomorrow. We'll hear from uh, Patrick Wright, the voice of the LSU Tigers, and we'll hear from um, uh, Mark Berman, who covers Virginia Tech women's hoops. So we'll have a full deal on our Friday edition. Coming up, our number two, Koki Riley will join us, the very latest from the Ponderosa LSU with another spring practice under their belt. Brian Kelly addressed the media. Uh, we'll get that report. Shamit Dewar will join us. We'll talk. Hoops, Pels, Nuggets tonight. Who's going to play for Denver? Um, it would be a feather in the Pels cap if they could steal a win here. But a tough, tough place to play for sure. And Frank Schwab with the very latest from the NFL owners meetings and all the things surrounding the two quarterbacks that are out there just waiting. Aaron Rodgers trying to get to the Jets and Lamar Jackson trying to get a contract somewhere, anywhere. It's all coming your way, hour number two. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros who have their opening game today against the White Sox. We'll be right back. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two. And away we go. Busy night, busy weekend. Uh, lots of things going on. LSU baseball versus Tennessee. Um, matchup of two of the premier baseball programs in college uh, with great talent. Really good coaching uh, should be there. It'll be a packed house seven o'clock. You can listen to it here uh, on the game. Kim Mulkey's group in um, Dallas for the final four. They had a practice today, press conference. They got their Nike swag bag and all that fun stuff. Um, and uh, the haze in the barn, they know what they're supposed to do. They've practiced. They know what the game plan is. Now they just have to execute um, and get some shots up and uh, make some shots for the first time in a while. They haven't shot the ball well since the second half of the SEC uh, tournament game against Tennessee. They've gotten by because of really good defense and rebounding of the basketball. Uh, and that'll carry you so far, but you got to be able to put the ball in the basket. You can't shoot 30% um, and expect to win. So uh, 
a very good opportunity for LSU, and uh, we look forward to that. Uh, the Pels take on the Denver Nuggets tonight. We'll have a report on that. We'll find out all the latest goings-on in the NFL. But first, um, let's touch on some more things with LSU. Another spring practice under the belts. Brian Kelly made some um, address the media. Koki Riley, who covers LSU for the Daily Advertiser, USA Today Network, kind enough to join us. Hey, Koki, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. How's it going, Jordy? Uh, everything's good. So um, uh, I guess the big story come out of spring right now is uh, Harold Perkins and trying to make him a complete linebacker because I think that's what the young man wants to do, and that's what they're trying to teach him. What did Brian Kelly have to say about all that? Yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly pretty much has set out right that he's going to play on the inside um, this upcoming season, and uh, and I think now that they have an entire spring, uh, and it, that now that he has an entire season under his belt, and then they also have fall camp that they can use this extra time to just sort of teach him the nuances of the position inside. And it's not like he doesn't have the mental capacity to do it. It's just that he wasn't in spring practice the year before, uh, last year, I mean. Um, and so he came in pretty late. Uh, in the, in the right. fall, which is what normally happens anyway. And then he also didn't play that much high school football. So, um, like, he's just a very – he's still a relatively inexperienced football player. And, um, you know, linebacker, inside linebacker spot, it's just a lot of thinking that has, and a lot of, like, read and react that you have to do at that position, right? So um, it's – it's uh, that's why he just needs that, that extra time to sort of learn it. And, and that's sort of why they also developed that – for a hybrid jack position for him last season. Don't you foresee? I mean, you. I know he wants to be that that Patrick Queen, Devin White, Damone Clark kind of guy, but man, he's so good coming off the edge. You gotta you gotta be one of those players that you move him around a lot, right? So the defense really doesn't know where he is. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just moved him around the formation a lot. You know, sometimes they use him as a pass rusher, especially in pass rushing situations, say third and longs, right? And But on, say, like first and 10, they can play him inside, you know, or just move him around. Again, just move him around all over the formation or even have him blitz from the interior, right, and get kind of fancy there, right? So um, I, I think just moving him inside gives them more flexibility, and if it doesn't work, they can revert to what worked beforehand. So um, I, I, I think it, it, in the preseason like this, at this time of year, I don't think it hurts too much to at least try this. Um, so yeah, because we are, because unlike some, sometimes when you run into these versatility problems with linebackers, think of Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals. It's like, you're trying to figure out what the best position for him is in the first place. And at least they already have that part down right now. They're just adding to what, um, they already know is good. So I, I, I wouldn't be worried about it too much, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Koki Raleigh with us. Um, Harold Perkins on the defensive side, LSU looking for a new defensive line coach. What's Brian Kelly looking for? What's, what's the most important aspects in hiring that job? Well, someone who can recruit, um, yep. someone who has experienced in the SEC and someone who can develop talent. I mean, it's pretty simple and like that. And, and that's exactly what Brian Kelly explained today. And that's exactly the sort of answer that I would have given you if he didn't talk about that today. So, right. um, yeah, I, 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 he's very big on experience, especially SEC experience. So um, I would definitely look for them to 
uh, target someone like that. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be someone um, uh, someone in house or or someone from from the outside that he hasn't worked with before. It, it's all just going to come down to you know credentials because he's very big on experience, and you just and you just have to look at the staff to sort of pick that out. I mean, John Jancic is the perfect example this year, right? I mean. SEC defensive coordinator at two different schools has been has worked under Kelly for years. Um, a year he has worked under Kelly for years, so uh, that's sort of the perfect example of that. But um, you can look at pretty much every, almost every single guy except for Robert Steeples, and he's a bit of an, an exception himself. And he also played cornerback. So um, yeah, like I, I don't know, like I, I just feel like it's it, it makes sense what he's looking for. Gotcha. Um, any timetable? Is there is there a rush for this, or is he going to take his time uh, and, uh, to make this hire? I, I think they'll make the hire after spring. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what Kelly said today. I'm, again, that's just off the top of my head. Um, but, okay. yeah, I, 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 I don't think they're in too, too much of a rush for this. I know LSU had their pro day yesterday, but it was kind of like a – uh, a great opportunity for Jaden Daniels. They needed a quarterback to throw to all these guys, and Jaden Daniels did. And he he's kind of like having uh, a combine before his combine next year. Yeah, sort of. And Bill Belichick was there to watch him, and it was kind of interesting to sort of see um, all these scouts, all these teams get to watch him. And Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for Dallas Cowboys, was there, uh, former head coach of, in his own right. So, yeah, like it was – um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was a kind of a mini combine for uh, him as well. But, uh, of course, he's going to be at LSU this upcoming season. So sure. I, I think it was definitely a productive experience for him, let's say the least. I saw a picture of he standing next to Bill Belichick. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger and better than that. Who really stood out yesterday? Was it uh, – who was it? Who was the standout performer? I think it was Jared Bernard Converse. Um, I, I think his athletic testing was just a lot better than a lot of people expected. I mean, he wasn't even invited to the combine, but a lot of his combine numbers would have been at least in the top 10 among all cornerbacks who participated at the combine. So, yeah, I mean, his, his 40 was much quicker. I mean, his vertical, I believe, was tied for first among all corners at the combine. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a very impressive performance from him athletically because we knew he has – like the starting experience and the, the solid resume and just in terms of like on paper and peer performance on the field, just whether he was good enough of an athlete um, to translate over to the next level, right? Because you need that next level athleticism because you can dominate the SEC. You can dominate college, not maybe not even, maybe not dominate, but be a very good college football player. But sometimes it doesn't always uh, translate. So when the athletes get bigger, faster, stronger, and smarter at the next level, right? Yeah, so, and, and um, yeah. yeah that's yeah. why the testing was so big for him. No question about that. Koki Riley with us. Um, pretty nice, uh, pretty big baseball game tonight with two really good pictures. Um, it's going to be packed. They're going to be Major League Baseball scouts coming out the out the wazoo. Uh, when you look at this series and this matchup, well, what stands out to you? Yeah, and it's just going to be really fun to watch the pitchers go at it, right? And it's not just Chase yeah. Dollander on the uh, on the Tennessee side. I mean, you look at a guy like oh, look at a guy like Drew Bean. Drew Bean. Um, I mean, they they have it, it's there's just a lot of future first round picks in this series on both sides, yes. and especially from the LSU side, of course. I mean, this is probably going to be the best chance, best look at 
the best look scouts are going to get at Paul Skeens all year, potentially Dylan Cruz all year, at least until at least until we get to the regional. Probably, I, I, I mean, it, there, it's just such an this game is just such an easy way to catch as many top guys as you can. Um, and I, I think we're I think we're definitely going to see that this weekend, and that's the part I'm most interested in seeing. Um, and just as for the result at, for LSU in particular, I, I think they'll probably win this series. I just think they're the, the better offensive team, um, yeah. the more experienced offensive team, and, uh, and 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 again, like the, as good as Tennessee starting pitching is, they're all right-handers, so you're not going to run into that sort of lefty problem that they have a little bit this, that have going this season a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I, I would expect an LSU series victory just because I just think there's a more well-rounded team. But it's going to be a fun series regardless. And it'll be a great opportunity for Skeens to solidify himself as the best pitcher in college baseball if he can win this thing tonight and continue what he's doing. Um, I, I mean, Dylan Cruz, my goodness gracious, he's got to come back down to earth. That's just the law of baseball. But if if he continues on this stretch, I've said it all week long, all year long, if he continues like that, he'll be the greatest LSU baseball player ever. And they've had some great ones, but he is just – you can't pitch to the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he can keep this up in any sort of reasonable, more reasonable way, like, yeah, he's not going to hit – 540 for the rest of the season. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he hit 540 halfway through the season, so I might be wrong with that, but I I think it's safe to say that's probably not going to happen. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, he's just been been unbelievable and uh, putting up just absolutely historical numbers, and I sort of wrote about some of those numbers the other day. Uh, it's just pretty un- like, I don't, his batting average of balls and play is also like absurdly high and like that's probably going to go down. And as that goes down, the batting average will go down. We'll get a little less lucky on some of the singles and, and even doubles that uh, that I guess he's been getting. And as the, as he plays more consistently, good defenses that take away hits and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the better pitching. But like, I would be surprised if he doesn't hit over 400 by the end of the year. I, that would be. Right. I, I just don't think there's enough games for him to get under 400 unless he really struggles at some point. So, um, <laughs> what a player. It's a shame he goes two for four and his batting average goes down. That's all I'm going to say. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, LSU baseball, um, the final four for women's basketball. It's a, it's a, boy, what a weekend it is for LSU sports. Koki Raleigh, thank you so much. Enjoy all the baseball games. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Thank you. Will do. Thanks so much for having me on again. Hi, Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser, USA Today Network. Pell's Nuggets preview next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, so what do we do? We cover LSU and Houston, right? So tonight. Live baseball, Delta Media's family of stations. Starting off, number one-ranked LSU with their three-game series against 10th-ranked Tennessee. Tune into all the action from Alec Box Stadium right here on the game. Pre-game 6.30, first pitch is 7. Now the defending World Series champion Astros begin their title defense tonight. They open up the season at home against the Chicago White Sox at Minute Maid Park. Pre-game begins at 5.30. First pitch is set for 6.08, and you can hear all of that thrilling action on our sister station news talk 98.5 fm 
Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We're back. Six games to go in the NBA regular season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Six games to go. They're 38 and 38 currently in the ninth seed, which means they are in the play-in. Can they sustain that? Can they move up and get into the top six? Your guess is as good as mine. To do so, though, they probably have to win tonight against the team that leads the Western Conference, and that's the Denver Nuggets, and they play them in the Mile High City. Not a better authority on Pelicans basketball and NBA hoops than our next guest for Boot Crew Media, Bourbon Street Shots. Uh, he does television work. He's the best. Shamit Dua, kind enough to join us. Oh, Shamit, what a year this has been. Can they hold on for dear life, big guy? Thanks for the time. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, appreciate you having me. Can they hold on? You know, that's a question we've been wondering the last few weeks, and uh, so far, they've they've held on well enough to remain in the playing picture. But you know, as you were talking about, it'd be nice if they can can scoot out of it, get into the sixth seed. Just seems like the runway is shortening uh, at quite a quick pace. Yeah, you got uh, you got to surpass three teams to get there, uh, and that's tough with such a limited uh, sample size left. Boy, they had Golden State on the ropes. They were playing great. They come out of the locker room. Steph Curry takes a three, misses it. There's two Pels there to, to get the rebound. They don't block out. And DiVincenzo goes up, dunks it, and the rest is history. What happened? Uh, just one of those games where the Warriors uh, what they do what they've done for years, which is ambush teams in the third quarter and uh, make an avalanche of threes, and the Pelicans just could not keep up offensively. Um, and, and because they couldn't keep up offensively, the Warriors are able to get on transition more. They're able to get um, downhill. And the Pelicans in the first half had forced a lot of turnovers, which had both boosted their offense, but they weren't scoring well outside of that. And those turnovers stopped from, from the Warriors. They locked in, and, and they, you know, sometimes they just need a moment of focus to recapture their, their championship pedigree or whatever. And um, that's all it took. Yeah. Last year at this time, we were praising Willie Green, a team that was dead and left for dead in the water. And they came back and started playing really well. And they got into the playing game, two of them, and they survived. They advance. How would you grade Willie Green and this coaching staff's performance this year? I would say they have done a tremendous job on the defensive end of the court, and regardless of who is available, who is healthy, um, who is in and out of the lineup. They've remained a top-10 defense the whole year. And okay. and I don't think that's easy to do, uh, especially with all the injuries they've had. Um, so I think they deserve a lot of credit there. Uh, okay. What I think they, they need a lot of uh, improvement on is the offensive end. Um, just don't think the offensive scheme has been very creative, or I don't think they've prioritized the offensive end as much as defense. And um, I think that's been a little bit problematic and has, has hurt them uh, as of late. But it seems like they're beginning to make some of those changes. When this offense is at its best, what does it look like? Is it going through Valanchunas, getting the ball to him and moving? When is this offense at its best? 
This offense is at its best when everyone is involved. So not just JV. Um, it's, it's JV. It's Trey. It's when they're getting stops and playing downhill. Um, so what, when they look bad specifically is when it goes to, hey, uh, it's Brandon Ingram's turn to, to ISO, dribble, 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 take yeah. a tough shot. Then it's CJ McCollum's turn to ISO, dribble, 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 take a sh- tough shot. And those end up being half of the team's possessions, right? They end up using 50% mm-hmm. of the possessions that the team has available, and then there's not enough touches to go around to other players who are efficient. So to me, they're at their best when they're sharing the ball, they're moving it quickly, and they're playing with pace. And, you know, we saw that during their five-game win streak. It seems like there was a lot of trust amongst each other. Brandon Ingram was playmaking at a high level. Um, and, and that's when they look their best, getting everybody involved. Because, you know, it's not just JV. JV obviously needs touches, and he needs to be involved in the offense. And he hasn't been much uh, this season outside of this, this five-game win streak that they just had. But it's also Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy's been the most efficient player on the team, not that Zion isn't uh, on the court. And when you have a player that efficient and having the month of March that Trey Murphy is having, you need to find a way to keep that guy involved. You know, can't have a game where he only gets nine shots. Well, you look at Golden State, and yeah, yeah Steph Curry's going to get his points. But to your point, everybody's involved. And they just move the ball so well, and they move their bodies without the ball so well. I'm, I'm surprised a lot of other teams don't try to – it's a copycat world. I'm surprised teams don't try to mimic that. Do the Pelicans have players that can execute like that? You know, part of what makes Golden State's movement so deadly is that they have the shooters of the caliber of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and then they have a, a connector and facilitator like Draymond Green. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't think every team has that kind of personnel to to mimic that per se. But I do think there's a lot that can be borrowed from some of their sets. And this is a copycat league. The coaches copy stuff all the time. It's no just, doubt. Uh, I think it takes a special level of buy-in from the team to play that style of basketball. And, and not every player is capable of playing that style. And not every player wants to play that style. And so, uh, you know, what they got going on and what they've been able to do for the last decade or so is, is truly special. Who's playing the best out of the four teams that are in seven through ten? Minnesota. The Lakers, the Pels, and the Thunder. Who who is the best of those four right now? To me, Minnesota is uh, the one that scares me a yeah. little. I think they've got with you. the most size. I think they've got uh, a lot of talent, and, and they've been playing well. Um, they they certainly, you know, I think the Lakers, while they're heating up a little bit, they they still have uh, enough question marks to give me a pause and. I think the Pelicans, obviously, you could say they've been playing the best because they won five in a row, but that was a little bit of an easy stretch, and they have um, a tougher stretch coming up. And OKC, I, they've been surprisingly good this year. Uh, yeah. They just it, It's a little bit difficult for me to predict how they're going to do because, one, they keep resting, um, you know, Shea Gildas, Alexander, and some of their other players, but they also have a, a little bit of an easier schedule coming up, so it's possible maybe they can string along a few wins and, um, it's just so unpredictable, but Minnesota's the one where I'm like, okay, they got Carl Anthony Towns back, Anthony Edwards yeah. is back. Yeah. They've been on an upward trajectory, and, and, and yeah. that's a little bit of a scary team. I'm with you. Denver's clinched. Memphis is clinched. Sacramento ended their 16-year non-playoff streak. They've clinched. Uh, Duran is back. They won last night. The Suns have won three in a row, so they're not going anywhere. 
out of the Clippers, the Warriors, one of those two would have to falter. I just don't see anybody passing up. Maybe the Clippers. Maybe. I don't think the Warriors are going to fall back. So for anybody to advance in, one of those teams, Phoenix, Clippers, Warriors, has to fall out. Do you agree? Maybe the Clippers are the, the, the lead charge on that possibility? Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with that in the sense that, sure, out of like a bunch of unlikely events, maybe that is the most likely, but I still think it's unlikely. Like, they, they're several games up above 500. Um, you know, they just won, uh, they just won the other night. And so it's, it's yeah. tough for me to see them like truly falling out. Um, but you. It, you know, it's, it's possible because Paul George is, you know, going to miss some time here and Kawhi Leonard has to take some time off every once in a while. And, and so, you know, I'm not going to say it's impossible. It just, it just seems unlikely at this point. I'm with you. Uh, six games left. You got the Nuggets on the road tonight. Then you have a uh, four-game homestand. The Clippers, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Knicks. Maybe maybe the Kings and Grizzlies rest some people. Um, who knows? Out of the six games, for the, for the Pels to stay in the play-in, how many do you think they have to win? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think they have to win a minimum of three. Uh, okay. But you'd like them to see to win win four, um, right. and, and I think that would put them in a comfortable spot there, and perhaps clinch a, a home uh, a playing game. But uh, that, that's a tough one. Again, it's just so much up in the air with the rest of the Western Conference teams. And yeah, it's it's been one of those things where like when the Pelicans were doing poorly, they weren't losing any ground because everyone else was doing poorly, and then the Pelicans right. started doing well. They didn't really make up any ground because everyone else started yeah. doing well. So it's just <laughs> it's crazy. It, it all depends on how everyone else is doing. <laughs> Uh, give me a give me a prediction for tonight. Pels at the Nuggets. Who, we don't know who's going to be playing for the Nuggets. There are injury reports all over the place. Um, what do you think? Oh, uh, you know, if, if Jokic doesn't play, it's going to be the Pels. If Jokic does play, I, it's hard for me not to pick the best team in the Western Conference right now. With um, you know, I don't want to say presumptive favorite for the MVP, but at least top two candidate for the MVP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least certainly the you know the the reigning MVP. Uh, Come on, that's, that's that's a tough task for me on the road and in a high altitude environment. <laughs> Come on, Nicola, give us a break, man. Just take a night <laughs> off. Get ready for the playoffs. Take a night off. We can use all the help we can get. Shamit Dewey, you'll be watching it. I'll be watching it. Uh, thanks so much for the time, man. You're the best. Uh, keep up Absolutely. the great work, and thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, you got it. Shamit Dua, uh, Fear the Brow, um, Boot Crew Media does everything. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. What's going on in the NFL? The very latest from the Schwab and Yahoo Sports next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, man, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon is in Lafayette. Baton Rouge and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Man, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. 
The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back on opening day of Major League Baseball. How about how fitting is it that Aaron Judge first at bat in the Yankee uniform takes one yard? Uh, welcome back to the big leagues. Um, we've got college baseball today, LSU, Tennessee, LSU's women in the final four uh, in Dallas and we got to always touch upon the NFL. It's the league that just keeps on giving and giving and giving. And Frank Schwab is always up to speed with all of it from Yahoo Sports. And he's kind enough to join us on this Thursday. It's always a thrill for us. Thank you so much, Frank. How you doing today, my friend? Hey, good, good. How are you, Jordy? Good. I, uh, before, you're a big basketball guy. Do you like the, the way the Final Four is come up this year on the men's side there's none of the you know there's none of the dukes ucla's indiana's uh north carolina's in the deal kansas a bunch of uh relative newcomers except for uconn you like that um i i yes and no i, I mean i i think it's great the stories are great the fact that either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic is going to have a chance to play for a title on Monday is really cool. But I am the kind of guy who, I like the Cinderella's in the first two, maybe three rounds and then by the time we get to the final four I want the four best teams. I think it would be really, really hard to argue that we got the four best teams in the final four. They they earned it great for them. The rules are set out and and they did their jobs and I'm not trying to take it away from Florida Atlantic or Miami or anybody else. But I do want, you know, I would have liked to have seen, I don't mind when it's all number one seeds in the final four. Like, give me the 15 over the two in the first round right, and right. some 13 seed making the sweet 16. That's awesome. That's fun. That's what makes tournament great. But, yeah, I think there would be a little more juice if uh, if we had some of the top teams. But at the same time, hey, these teams are good. Like, I don't think anybody really backed in. They all bring certain things to the table. So right. I like that part of it. I like the stories. I like the fact that Florida Atlantic never won a tournament game before this year, and now they've made Crazy. it to the Final Four. The stuff like that is really, really cool. But at the end of the day, I'd, I'd probably rather see just, hey, give us the best four teams out there. We will see when the television ratings come out. And, I mean, the women's side has drawn so much attention. Um, we'll see how that does from a television perspective as well. It should be very interesting. Okay. Um, NFL owners meetings um, uh, in Phoenix, the Biltmore Hotel. They said they spare no expense. What was anything, any big takeaway from that for you? I think the biggest thing is we're it's seemingly getting closer to a commander sale. Which I think is just good for everybody involved. I mean, even if you're not a Washington fan, you kind of got a feel for Washington fans to have dealt with Daniel Snyder past 25 years, and just to be kind of close to getting out from under that is is good for the league. It's good for those fans. It's good for everybody. Daniel Snyder is probably the worst owner in sports history. I mean, we could talk to Donald Sterling's. And, I mean, yeah. uh, I think it's uh, Steptian, who was the Cavaliers owner. They needed to make a rule because you kept trading away all his draft picks. Uh, right. You know, there's been some bad owners, but Daniel Snyder's certainly in that team photo. So, I mean, just the fact that, and the fact that it's 
six billion dollars and there's multiple six billion dollar bids is just crazy like we've jumped it up from 4.65 billion which was the record for a sports team broncos last year all the way up to six we we skipped five like five billion no not gonna happen and that just to me anyway the fact that there's multiple six billion dollar bids on this team it speaks to how daniel snyder's really run that franchise into the ground that is one of the most valuable franchises in sports the the real estate it's just you're in the NFC East. You're in Washington D.C. You have a, a fan base that, before the last 20 years, absolutely beloved you. You had history, and it's just kind of been run into the ground. And I hope whatever ownership group does win this bid and takes over, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, and they don't drag their feet here. And I hope that owner comes in and, and brings back all these fans because I think I, I know a bunch of Washington fans, and they're, they're just I've heard from them. I'm not watching yeah. this team anymore until Daniel Snyder's gone. And yeah. I think just a, getting an owner in there. I think that's, to me, by far and away, the biggest thing that happened this week. Why, uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, why is the NFL so hell-bent on these Thursday night and the flex schedule when it seems like everybody, from players Mm -hmm. to owners to coaches, everybody seems to be against it? What's the reasoning behind Mm -hmm. all this? Yeah, and I mean, part of it is uh, I don't think people can have it both ways either. I think that if you were one of the people complaining about the Thursday night matchups, uh, and there's a lot of it, I mean, they're, they're bad this year. There's no doubt. That's kind of luck of the draw, but they were bad this year. A game yeah. like Indianapolis-Denver was supposed to be good, and then four weeks into the season, it was terrible. I mean, it, yeah. it happens sometimes. But if you're one of these people constantly complaining about the Thursday night matchups, well, you can't also complain about them flexing games. Like, this, that's the way to fix it. That yeah. Thursday night matchups are just bad luck sometimes. And right. I don't like. I'd rather just honestly. I'd rather get rid of Thursday night football altogether. I just don't think the product's that great. Of I course, agree. I like football on Thursday night, but I just don't think it's been the the, the games themselves haven't been that great. So, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, how do you fix it? And I think this is their answer to like, okay, well, you guys don't like these matchups. We'll, we'll flex them then. We'll make sure the Chiefs get on multiple times on Thursday night football. So just once, and nobody's really going to like that too much. But I mean, again, it can't have it both ways. If, if, I don't think this is good for player safety or anything involved. I, I just, I, I don't think. I think it's just go with what you've done and make the matchups. You're gonna have some good, some bad. It's luck of the draw, and don't mess with these players like they are. I, I think that that's a bad idea, to be honest. I think they're stretching the product when they don't need to. I think Thursday night's a joke. Right. I think it's it's a bad product, like you said, and it puts players in harm's way. And you can't. Some teams have to play it. Some don't. It's just. I just think it's a mistake from a league that doesn't make many. Uh, but that's one of them. Um, this this is going to sound crazy to you, uh, but a new playing surface has been installed at MetLife Stadium. They've had all kinds of criticism over the over the the field, uh, for years. Years. Um, and it's not grass. It's more of that. It's that field turf. Do you see because of weather and because of wear and tear, do you see more teams, domes and no domes going to a field turf type of a system where it's safer for players? Do you see that at all? It's very interesting. And it, it, it kind of blows my mind, too, that it's so hard for some of these teams to have decent fields. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I assume they have the best in the business of what they do. I mean, doing their thing, and and it's just kind of weird that nobody can kind of figure this out, right? Like it's you saw the Super Bowl. Super Bowl was miserable. Awesome. I mean, and, and he was uh, the guy whose name escapes me. One of the best turf guys in in the NFL and sports. Yeah. And I mean, it still turned out bad. So I don't know. I, I think at some point, you know, I mean, teams like like you know the Giants and Jets, when they look at it, they say, well, the field turf is it's gonna. 
it's going to wear out. Like, you know, I mean, grass does over the course of a season. Maybe that's the answer. I think teams are just going to keep fiddling with this until they find the right solution because at some point when you have playing surfaces like you see in Chicago sometimes, Washington's another bad one, you just yeah. wonder, like, you got to fix this. You can't just have your teams playing on this all the time. And if it's field turf that's going to answer that, then it's field turf. And I think that the NFL just doesn't want this to be a story anymore because it takes away from the games. Right, right. Uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports with us. Okay, we've asked about three or four questions, and we haven't talked about uh, the two big elephants in the room. Uh, so now's the time. So when will Aaron Rodgers to the Jets be resolved, in your opinion? I mean, it has to be before the draft, I assume, because that draft capital, you can't just let that slide. You can't, you know, yeah. I mean, you're not going to make that up. I, once the draft passes, then it's hard for the, the Packers to be like, yes, I know next year's first round pick. No, you want this year's first round pick. Or whatever pick it's going to be, second, third, whatever. So I assume it's before the draft. And I mean, as we talked about it, I mean, it's just one of those, it's a staring contest right now. And I think everybody knows it's going to happen. But both teams think they have the leverage. The other, each side thinks the other side is a little bit desperate. And both sides are right. Like, I mean, it's, this, both these teams have to get this done now. It just has to has to happen, and I assume that at some point, cooler heads prevail and everybody gets together, deadlines spurning things, and that's right before the draft, and they all say, okay, all right, let's, what's fair? Well, let's come to a medium ground. Let's just get this thing done so we can get on with it. So I don't think there's, a, there's any question that's going to happen. I don't think. I mean, but if you get past the draft and it hasn't happened, then all of a sudden you're like, well, <laughs> it makes it a lot more difficult now. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Uh, which way is this Lamar Jackson saga headed? I just don't get it, Jordy. I mean, when you have coaches out there saying things like, yeah, we're fine with Sam Howell. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to go ahead with Desmond Ritter. I don't get what's going on. Like, there's something weird. And I don't know. If, I don't think there's a paper trail here, so I don't think it's technically collusion or anything. But I think there's something here. There's just something that, that just doesn't sit right with me that obviously everybody can't understand here. Lamar Jackson, for, for his, I mean, he's not perfect. He has some faults, no. but for his faults, he's still one of the six, seven most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL. He's only 26. Only he's falling apart at, at age 27. I mean, I think that, yeah, he's asking for a lot of money, but quarterbacks command a lot of money. And, I mean, especially Atlanta that had the cap room. I just don't understand it. They were all in on Deshaun Watson, who's a bad guy by all means, and then they're not in on Lamar Jackson, and they're like, "Oh, we got to build up the rest of the roster first. Well, okay, you're going to build up the rest of the roster, and then what? The court, franchise quarterbacks going to fall out of the sky? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, there's just something weird here, and a part of it, I think, is is the gentleman. There's always, I think, anyway, because. You never see it happen. There's always a gentleman's agreement between the NFL teams not to mess with each other's restricted free agents, and which basically that's what Lamar is because he's on the franchise tag. You never see restricted free agents change teams. That's very, very rare. There's right. got to be a reason for that, right? Like it doesn't make any sense naturally. Then I think there's the guarantee contracts that I think they are all like guys like Arthur Blank. Uh, you know, he's willing to feel a worse team to not break ranks with the other owners on this guarantee contract thing. I mean, it's. Yeah. Madness to me that nobody will just go and say, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'll sign him to a $230 million guarantee contract. That's what Deshaun got. I'll do Lamar because he's, he's a franchise quarterback. I don't know. I, I mean, there's just so many things going on that it just doesn't make sense to me because in a league that's desperate for quarterback and that will just scrap and fight and claw to get any good quarterback, here's Lamar Jackson really honestly there for the taking because two first round picks is not that much for him. And nobody wants him. Nobody's even made an offer. Nobody's even really 
had any interest. This, this just doesn't make sense to me, Jordy. If, if it continues like this, and you were you had Lamar Jackson's ear, and a lot of people are now speculating, could he end up sitting out the entire season yeah. and not play at all? I don't like that option. I just don't think, like we saw that with Le'Veon Bell. You just don't get that back. You just don't. I mean, it's, and you don't know how that affects you. I mean, Le'Veon was never the same. I don't know if there's a cause and effect there, but it's the truth. He was, he was not the same player after sitting out. I don't like that option. I think that, look, and I'm not Lamar Jackson. I'm not, you know, he doesn't have an agent, but I'm not his agent. But if I were, you know, I think I would say work this out with Baltimore. There has to be some ground where you're still getting paid a ton of money, a lot mm-hmm. of it guaranteed. You go back to a team that has embraced you, that has built an offense for you, that you've had success with, and just get this done. I mean, because I think the, the pie-in-the-sky idea was, okay, I'm going to hit basically free agency, and all these offers are going to come in, and we'll see what happens, and the Falcons are going to offer me $300 million guaranteed, whatever it's going to be. It just hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. If it doesn't happen yet, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Right. Unless, right. unless the Jets don't land Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the one thing that could happen that would screw everything up, is that let's say somehow, some way, this really falls apart with the Jets and the Packers. Well, then the Jets have to do something. They can't, they can't possibly put Zach Wilson out there again. So maybe that helps, but all of our Jackson needed was one offer. One offer to really get this thing going, and he hasn't gotten one. And I don't think it's going to happen if it hasn't happened in the first two weeks of free agency here. So, yeah, I I would just work it out with Baltimore. And I hate to say get what you can get because I don't think he deserves to be treated like that. But it's it's where we're at. This is the reality of the situation. It just seems so weird and so, um, I mean, God, conspiracy theorists are running abundant with this. Yeah, yeah, it's it, there's there's something strange about this. I don't think it's necessarily your, you know, I mean, collusion as far as as the definition of it. I don't again. I don't think the NFL owners got together on an email chain and were like, "Don't pay Lamar Jackson." But I think there's some nod and wink show going on here where none of these owners want the players to get power with the guaranteed contract. I think that's the number one issue. I think it's we gave out the Deshaun Watson contract came out and it was. Uh, by far and away different than every other contract. And NFL owners don't want that because they don't want to give the players that kind of power. And so they're kind of all banding together without speaking it out loud yeah. and saying, no, yeah. we're not going to give another guaranteed contract because we don't want this to become the norm. Well, well, somebody may say, look, if you wait out, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts are going to sign their own deals. Those numbers are going to go up, and maybe it'll become more the norm than what Deshaun Watson got. And maybe everybody will find it's just such a roll of the dice, either way you look at it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just strange. It is. I expected, I fully expected the first like hour of free agency for the Atlanta Falcons to be like, we've made an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson five years. 230 million, all guaranteed, whatever. Like, because it just made so much sense for them as a franchise to energize a fan base, everything you're going to have. And it's just been quiet. Like, it's just been nothing. And that's just, that's really strange and fishy to me. And I'm sure yeah. it's strange to everybody else, too. Well, now we can focus on the NFL draft and somebody, so some players are going to make a lot of money. Apparently, Anthony Richardson had a great uh, pro day today Oof. in Florida. Maybe his stock's going. Who knows, man? Who You talk about roll the dice, drafting a quarterback. Either you look like a yeah. genius or you get fired, right? Yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy who 
his upside is multiple MVPs, and his downside is he's out of the league in three years. Like, I mean, I don't know that there's been a quarterback quite like this where I could literally you could you could you could sell me on any kind of outcome with him, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. I I'm more you know somewhere in between of I think he should be a really really good quarterback and have a Cam Newton type of career. Hey, it's kind of a lazy comparison, I guess, but uh, I, I just uh, yeah I think he's going to be good. But man, I, I, we've never seen a guy with these kind of physical abilities. Like, it's just, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Frank Schwab, can't thank you enough, man. Enjoy the final four and all the hoops and uh, have a great weekend, buddy. It's always great having you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, back to wrap things up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, because they're returning to the Cajun Dome Saturday, April 15th. In the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to help you score tickets to the show. Text GLOBE to 337-283-8100. Score family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE to 337-283-8100. Shoot a text and get your tickets and be amazed at watching the Globetrotters' fame, ball-handling skills, dunks, and laugh-out-loud antics. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, what a fun day it has been. Um, LSU, Tennessee, three-game series opener tonight here on the game. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock first pitch. Astros season opener against the White Sox. 5.30 pregame, first pitch at 6 o'clock. Good luck to both of them. Uh, thanks to Mark Etheridge for previewing Tennessee and LSU. Thanks to Raymond Parsh for talking uh, women's Final Four with us. Koki Riley of uh, the Daily Advertiser on LSU Spring Football. Shamit Dua. Come on, Pels. Sit out, Jokic. Give the Pels a break so the Pels can win in depth. Denver tonight and Frank Schwab with all the very latest in the NFL. If today is your birthday, March 30th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with former LSU Tiger round baller, former LSU basketball coach, now coaching at Texas Southern. Happy 62nd birthday to the bullet, Johnny Jones, and happy 28th birthday to Alex Bregman. Opening day and a birthday. Oh, come on. Doesn't get any better than that no it doesn't all right tomorrow heavy emphasis on the women's final four will uh, patrick wright will join us um for the lsu side of things the voice of lsu women's basketball mark berman will join us for the virginia tech side of things and then the regular crowd will shuffle in larry holder will join us george faust from klfy and then they always uh entertaining highly anticipated picks from james mesh george becknell and myself so we got a lot to talk about previewing a lot to look back can the pels win can the tigers win will the astros win we'll talk all about it tomorrow so 
James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, 103, same time, 2 to 4, 1037 the game, 1041 the game in Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And please be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next. So long, everybody.